Coming up on this episode, we're telling you all about the holiday-themed books and movies we've been enjoying. Welcome to episode 275 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knausen. With me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This episode of the show is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. If you'd like more information about the bonus content we offer our patrons, simply go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Hello, Rainbow Romance readers. Welcome back to another episode of the show. We are so glad that you could join us because as terrible as 2020 has been, it seems to have gotten its act together. And here at the end of the year, finally, we've got some things to actually enjoy. Yeah, it has been a remarkable season for holiday things, books and movies. And we've got some great stuff to talk about today. Now, recently on our Patreon bonus episode for the month of December, we recommended a couple of movies. One of them being the lesbian holiday classic, Carol, which is Todd Haynes' adaptation of The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. It's the slightly melancholy story of a simple shop girl who finds love with an upper middle class housewife, played by none other than Kate Blanchett, which among many other reasons is the main <laughs> one to recommend that particular movie. Yeah, she's just amazing in that film. We also recently saw the Amazon original movie, Uncle Frank, which is a story about a young woman who ends up going to school in NYU, where her uncle Frank is a professor. She learns that the world has an awful lot more to offer than her small southern town. But after finding out that Uncle Frank is gay and living with his lover, Wally, they learn that the family patriarch has died. So the three of them hop in a car and head down south for the funeral. It's a really wonderful family drama about addressing the pain of the past in order to move forward with love and family in the present, which is my incredibly hackneyed two-second summation of the emotional journey those characters go on. It's really quite remarkable. Yeah, this was another one that I was just blown away by, really. If you want to catch everything we said about those two movies, head on over to our Patreon feed and you'll find that bonus episode there, which is available to our Patreon community. Now, among the many things that we have been watching this holiday season, I have to say one of the most surprisingly awesome ones was the Mariah Carey Christmas special that's available on Apple TV. I saw the trailers. I'm like, that looks interesting. Let's watch it. I was absolutely blown away by this special. Of course, Mariah sings and dances and does all of her Mariah things, but this is wrapped up in a really fun package. She has been summoned to the North Pole to help bring Christmas magic back. There are some just bonkers setups for her to do her thing, which are totally fun. She's joined by Misty Copeland, who does a little from the Nutcracker. She's got Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande performing with her. It was an absolute delight. So if you've got Apple TV, you should definitely be checking out Mariah's special there because it's 45 minutes of joy. One Christmas special we recommend you miss... Indeed we do. ...is NBC's production of The Grinch. Please, whatever you do, do not subject yourself to this. We subjected ourselves to it so you wouldn't have to. If you have this on your DVR, just click the delete button now and maybe go find The Grinch animated special because it's really all The Grinch that you need for your holiday times. Instead of that, we recommend you check out Jingle Jangle 
the family musical that's available right now on Netflix. Holy hell, this thing <laughs> is pure magic from beginning to end. I was absolutely blown away. This is a story of a young girl named Journey who is sent to spend the holidays with her grandfather, who spends the majority of his days holed up in the dusty old junk shop that he runs. The shop used to be a place of wonder, but because of a tragedy in his past, this is where he finds himself. One day, Journey in a pile of junk discovers an invention that was created by her mother, a toy robot friend meant for children, the Buddy 3000. And using her own flair for science and imagination, Journey brings Buddy back to life. Now, it's worth noting that several decades earlier, Geronicus, Journey's grandfather, was he himself a very important inventor? But he happened to be swindled by a nefarious apprentice named Gustafsson, who stole Geronicus's notebook. And, over the decades, has used those ideas to create a multi-million dollar empire. Though now, he's run out of ideas. So it's back to the shop he goes, and when he sees the Buddy 3000, he steals it and presents the idea as his own. So it's up to Journey to rescue her robot friend. While other holiday fair just lays there dead and limp, this one gets up and dances. It reminds me a little bit of The Greatest Showman in style and tone. They're both set around the turn of the century and filmed with lots of wonderful contemporary music. And in the case of Jingle Jangle, there's a really wonderful, fun, Victorian steampunk feel to the magic that's going on. As you said, this is just magical. Everything about it, the songs, the story, just everything was just a a warm, bright ball of light. I mean, the major theme of this production is all you need to do is believe. And I was a believer by the time that this story was done. I could watch this anytime, and I think it's going to become part of Christmas tradition to watch Jingle Jangle at least once a year. So make sure you check that out on Netflix. Another musical that the whole family might enjoy is Ryan Murphy's production of The Prom. Now, you may or may not remember, we talked about The Prom a couple of years ago when we saw it on Broadway. It had a criminally short run, and I am so very glad that it was adapted for the big screen. Although, because 2020 has turned out the way it is, it's premiered on Netflix. But that should in no way dim your enthusiasm for this wonderful musical. It's about a group of self-involved Broadway performers who've just suffered a terrible flop. And in order to prove that they are not malignant narcissists, they decide (laughs) to find some good PR. And at that particular moment, a story happens to be trending on social media about a young girl who has been denied going to prom with her girlfriend. So it's off to the Midwest, our four Broadway troopers go. I was about to say fly, but they actually hitch a ride on a bus and truck tour of Godspell. And literally go across the country in a bus, which they are none too happy about. (laughs) And once they arrive, they only end up making the problem worse. So they stick around to help clean up the mess, and in the process, go on their own journey of self-discovery. It's a really delightful story, because yes, they come in, and they mess everything up, and things get worse for this young lady before she actually gets her big prom and gets her moment with her girlfriend, and opens this town's eyes to what love should be. I was very pleased that Ryan Murphy, who discovered this while it was on Broadway, he actually announced that he was going to do the movie adaptation right around the time the show closed. And, you know, sometimes stage two screen adaptations go wrong. 
But he really took care of this property and brought it to the screen with some big stars who understood the roles they were playing beautifully. They all sing great. They all dance great. I loved every single thing about this movie. And it is another one, kind of like Jingle Jangled, that I will be revisiting because it does infuse you with that hope that tomorrow can be a good thing. And yeah, I loved it. It was a, it was a great evening at the movies. The cast features Meryl Streep and James Corden and Nicole Kidman and Andrew Rannells, who at various points in the story all get their moments to shine. Andrew got to dance in a shopping mall fountain. I was particularly jealous of that. They're all really wonderful and bring something special to each individual role. So yeah, as a little bit of non-holiday entertainment, you can check out The Prom on Netflix. Now, this past weekend was a huge deal in Christmas movie land because we had two premieres taking place that had gay romances at the center. And the first one was Lifetime's The Christmas Setup. Yeah, a lot of people were expecting really big things from this movie simply because of the historic fact that it is the gay Christmas movie. It does not disappoint. I loved absolutely everything about the Christmas setup. It's about a guy named Hugo, who, with his best friend Madeline in tow, head back to Milwaukee to spend the holidays with his mom, who is up to her neck in Christmas frivolity, working her hardest to make what might be the very last local Christmas celebration the best anyone has ever seen. And it's amongst all this frivolity that Hugo encounters Patrick, the cute nice guy from his past who Hugo finally has the nerve to talk to and explore the possibilities of a Christmas romance. Like you, I loved everything about this movie. Their romance had a nice arc from initially, Patrick delivered the Christmas tree to Hugo's house and that totally flustered Hugo, which was so freaking adorable that his, you know, crush had shown up at the door unexpectedly because of course mom didn't prepare him for that mom's been setting this whole thing up (laughs) for who knows how long mom is played by the delightful Fran Drescher and she totally nails this role it was so sweet I also loved the save the train station story the train station which is a historic building in town is being torn down for progress so they can have a train kiosk instead And the story around the train station and the things that Hugo and Patrick kind of uncover as they're trying to save it just added a really sweet nuance here to the story and really elevated it to the next level when it was already several levels elevated already. Like you said, there were high expectations here. And boy, did it tick every one of my Christmas boxes. It ticked every gay romance box that I had. And I was absolutely delighted by this film. Hugo and Patrick are played by real-life couple Ben Lewis and Blake Lee. And they're absolutely wonderful in their individual roles. They have a lot of chemistry, which despite their real-life relationship isn't always a given. I mean, there have been plenty of times in Hollywood history where we learn of a behind-the-scenes torrid affair that's going on between co-stars. But when you watch the movie, you're going, huh? I don't (laughs) see that at all. Yeah, These two were so good. I mean, their chemistry played in all of the right places. They really knew how to temper it because when they were in those flirty early scenes, there was a little bit of chemistry, but it only deepened as they go. And you could really see the bond between these two. I really loved how that played for them in the movie. So the Christmas setup you can find on Lifetime. It is on Lifetime On Demand and will no doubt have additional airings between now and the end of the year. And hopefully... This is one they bring back every year. 
in good rotation because it was just wonderful. And as Jeff mentioned, this past weekend didn't just see the groundbreaking premiere of one gay Christmas movie, but two. Dashing in December premiered on the Paramount Channel. And this is the story of Wyatt, who heads back to his Colorado hometown to visit his mom, who runs the family ranch. But wouldn't you know it, the ranch is in trouble. Wyatt has come home for the express purpose of getting his mom to decide to sell. And that doesn't sit well with Heath, the ranch hand and resident horse whisperer who helps run the ranch. And wouldn't you know it, Wyatt and Heath do not get along. But as the holiday fast approaches, they learn to understand each other's point of view just a little bit more and fall in love in the process. So for those of you who watch Hallmark Channel movies, you could consider the Christmas setup the Hallmark Channel movie. And Dashing in December is a little bit more the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries movie because it's got more drama. There's a little more angst going on. Everybody in this movie has a lot to work through because to a degree, everybody in it is a little bit closed off. And a lot of the movie is about, as, as it was put at one point, coming out of hibernation, which is a really great plot line through this. Waking up, seeing what's around you, going for what you want. And it really gave this movie some nice depth alongside a really nice romance. These these two know how to throw dates for each other on the ranch, and that was particularly wonderful to watch. Yeah, we've got a really classic enemies-to-lovers trope being played out here. Hallmark regular Peter Porte plays Wyatt. Juan Pablo de Pace is Heath, and they're really wonderful together. I think the story and the script for Dashing in December hits all the familiar Christmas movie tropes, but in a really kind of relaxed and organic way gives these two characters a realistic romance arc because when you're going from enemies to lovers you need some time to get to know one another and that's what this story does there are some wonderful scenes between Wyatt and Heath where they just get a chance to sit and talk and they learn about each other's pasts their hopes for the future and they fall in love and it's just so good yeah you're very right about the script because they actually gave Heath a good backstory on why this ranch mattered to him. It wasn't just that it was a job. He had a past there that that Wyatt didn't know about. And that just made the script all that much more meaningful and deep. And they did a really nice job with that, absolutely. And it's also worth noting that Wyatt's mom is played by none other than Andy McDowell, who it goes without saying is utterly delightful and really wonderful. Her character, along with several others in the story, As you mentioned before, deal with this theme of hibernation. She has to learn to kind of put the past away so that she can live in the now and experience the possibilities of the future. It was a really, really lovely film. Look for Dashing in December in your listings. It could easily show up on Paramount Network, Pop, TV Land, any of the Viacom channels. So you may have to do a little digging for it or we'll have the link to it in the show notes so that you could try to find it that way as well because it's really worth your time. I have to say that it was a surprise to me, having watched so many Christmas movies, not just this year, but in the past, how much these two movies really meant. There's often the talk about, you know, representation matters, and it really does. It was really amazing to see a gay romance play out on these two films that were running on major networks on the cable TV lineup. And I hope it's the beginning of a trend because I can imagine, you know, teenagers watching these movies and going, hey, that's me right there falling in love on the screen. It was really wonderful. And I hope it's a trend that we see continue. 
There have been some other Hallmark movies where there has been more representation this year. We talked in the last episode about The Christmas House, which had some pretty major representation in it. There was a married couple in that movie who were trying to finalize their adoption while also being home for Christmas and helping their parents celebrate one last big decoration moment at the Christmas house. Another one that I mentioned briefly in that episode was Christmas by Starlight that had a major sidekick role for a gay assistant who shows up with his husband in that movie. Some other ones worth noting for your Hallmark schedule this season, Christmas She Wrote which has a wonderful second chance romance playing out between Danica McKellar's best friend and someone that they both knew in high school. It's a very adorable meet cute as uh, these two guys meet up in a bar again and they ultimately date by the end of the film at the big celebration that finishes off the movie. So that one was really nice to see. There's also A Christmas Tree Grows in Colorado. That's a big mouthful of a name, right? Aaron, who is working in the mayor's office, working to secure the tree for the town Christmas festival, her best friend, Neil, ends up dating Firefighter Mitch by the end of the movie. It's a teeny tiny plot line in there, but it is still some gay representation in the movies. And then there's Christmas and Evergreen. The Evergreen movies, this is the fourth one that aired this year. It's called Bells Are Ringing. And there was this flyby moment where the former town mayor, Ezra, has come back for Christmas And we find out that his boyfriend broke up with him in the city, but by the end of this movie, he's actually seen at the town festival with a man on his arm. So a longtime character in the Evergreen series essentially came out in this year's story. So Hallmark is stepping up its representation a little bit, particularly with The Christmas House, which we give our highest recommendation to if you could find that before the holiday season is over. Of course, Hallmark Channel runs these movies all the time, so you just have to go to their website at hallmarkchannel.com to find when these movies will be on next. So we hope you check out some holiday cheer there. It's definitely the most wonderful time of the year. And while we have definitely been watching an awful lot of Christmas television, that doesn't mean that I haven't been reading as well. And I want to quickly recommend some of the holiday stories that I've been reading lately. The first is A Fake Boyfriend for Christmas by Sean Ashcroft. Our main character, Jay, is very busy getting busy, if you know what I mean, with Harper, his boss, at the office Christmas party when he accidentally answers Harper's phone. And it's Harper's mom, who now thinks her son finally has someone special to bring home for the holidays. So soon they're headed home as a pretend couple. Though the feelings that they secretly have for one another are anything but fake. Jay is a hit with Harper's family. And when they help cut down the family Christmas tree, Jay catches a severe chill. And our two heroes quickly find a way to heat things up. Now, okay, this is hardly professional. So what they do is they decide to go for the full-out boyfriend experience for the rest of the holiday. And then when they return to work, it's going to be strictly business an arrangement they are both perfectly happy with, enjoying quality time with Harper's family and really enjoying quality boyfriend time. And it's seeing how Jay interacts with his niece and nephew, it gives Harper an idea about what it might be like if they were an actual real-life couple and a preview of what family life might look like for the two of them. And once the holiday is over and after a long drive home, they finally admit what it is they truly want and that they'll somehow find a way to make it work. I really enjoyed A Fake Boyfriend for Christmas. As you all know, this is one of my absolute number one favorite tropes. And I always enjoy author Sean Ashcroft, whose stories are very heavy on trope and the schmoopy feels, just the way I like it. 
Jay and Harper's holiday romance is wonderful and achingly sweet in the best possible way. I also happened to read another fake boyfriend book recently, and that was the latest by Jay Northcote, Operation Fake Relationship. In this story, Nick isn't looking forward to heading home for Christmas, so he asks his best friend and roommate Jackson to forego his own plans and accompany him on his family visit. In wanting to support his pal, Jackson agrees, so off they go. They pretend to be a couple, primarily to piss off Nick's dad, with whom he had a troubled relationship growing up. And when they arrive, everything goes pretty well. I mean, even Nick's dad, who everyone says has changed for the better, is cordial. But Nick can't quite let go of the past, and he really lets his dad have it. He's frankly kind of a dick. And Jackson does everything he can to be supportive of his friend, while trying to navigate these difficult family dynamics. Nick takes Jackson to the pirate tree, which is sort of a run-down old treehouse that they have at the back of the family property. It's there that they share their first kiss which eventually leads to a whole lot more. These two guys have been friends for a really long time, and it's here that they discover that they have undeniable sexual chemistry as well, definitely enjoying the nights that they spend sharing the same bed. The thing that I really enjoyed the most about this particular story is that while the fake relationship is essentially the setup for the book, the story itself leans heavily on the friends-to-lovers trope, and author Jay Northcote really digs deep into these two guys and the past that they have together, their support of one another, and sort of the slow dawning realization of the deep love that they have for one another. It almost qualifies as insta-love, with the exception being that they have a long history together. It's the way that the author really explores the complex feelings that they have that really makes this book special. And also, Jay doesn't shy away from the history Nick shares with his father and the work that the two of them have to do to come to an understanding that things can actually be different now, which leads to the happy holiday for everyone at the end of the book. Jay Northcote knows how to deliver the feels and Operation Fake Relationship is no exception. Two more holiday stories I quickly want to mention are by E.J. Russell. Now, this past summer, when I was doing my reading for my Christmas in July theme, I came across one of E.J.'s short stories. I fell absolutely head over heels in love with her particular style. So you know that I wasn't going to pass up a chance to read some more this holiday season. The probability of mistletoe is about a guy named Parker, who has organized a high school reunion to take place a few days before the Christmas holidays. At the time, he thought that was a brilliant idea because, you know, everyone is going to be home for Christmas, but he's overwhelmed and he's stressed out. That is until he realizes that his former high school friend Keith is going to be there. Now, 10 years earlier, an aborted kiss under the mistletoe at the winter formal sent their friendship into a tailspin, and it's now at the reunion he is hoping to get his second chance. Keith has the same idea. He also wants to make things right with his former friend. And he also has a business proposition. In the intervening years, Keith has become very successful in the tech sector, and he has a new app and startup that he wants to talk to Parker about. Keith feels he has to give himself a fancy makeover in order to impress Parker, but Parker wants his old friend just as he is. And he invites Keith to the family Christmas party, where in order to make good on some of the mistakes of the past, he has hung mistletoe from every available surface. It's really, (laughs) it's very funny and very cute. I really enjoyed these two. They're a pair of wonderful guys, and I was thrilled to see them receive their holiday happily ever after. 
Another E.J. Russell story I don't think you're going to want to miss is called The Swance Soiree. It's about a shy guy named Brent who's being forced to attend the office Christmas party. A Swance Soiree. Which, if you don't already know, is when you wear a Christmas sweater as a pair of pants. Thank you for defining that, because I had no clue what you were talking about. (laughs) So, to attend this ridiculous event, Brent has to go find a sweater that's going to fit him. And it's at a charity shop that he meets Jonathan, who is actually on the hunt for Christmas sweaters as well. They talk, and Jonathan explains the finer points of Christmas sweater shopping. But in his attempt to make his pair of swants, Brent destroys his sweater and needs Jonathan's help. So he invites Jonathan over to his place, where they engage in some innocent, low-key flirting. I really love the way that Brent and Jonathan talk to one another. Jeff and I read an awful lot of romance. And when you read as much as we do, you tend to have an innate understanding of what the structure is and what the story beats are going to be. And sometimes books, in an effort to meet all the expectations of the genre, they move through those story beats quickly. So when you have two characters who actually take the time to talk to one another, it's kind of wonderful and unique and special. And I really like the way that EJ creates characters who are kind of just normal, genuine, real guys. And I really think the way that Jonathan and Brent talk and get to know one another is something kind of sweet and very, very special. So on the day of the office Christmas party, Brent's swans are a big hit. And because of reasons, Jonathan just happens to be there. And they can finally get down to not flirting, but moving towards a real relationship. In my notes for the story, I just wrote a big heart right here. (laughs) I just love them to pieces. I thought they were absolutely adorable. So I really recommend A Fake Boyfriend for Christmas by Sean Ashcroft, Operation Fake Relationship by Jay Northcote, and The Probability of Mistletoe and Swance Soiree by E.J. Russell. I really love E.J.'s titles. They just roll off the tongue so nicely. So if you are interested in learning more about the books and movies and all this holiday goodness that we've talked about in this episode, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 275 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Okay, I think that'll do it for this episode. Coming up next Monday in episode 276, we've got our Holiday Storytime special presentation. Yes, we're going to bring you the live show that we did back in November, where we had Sean Crisden, Kurt Graves, Joel Leslie, and Nick J. Russo all reading from holiday stories. It's the perfect thing for Christmas week, and we hope you'll join us for that. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. If you want to check out some more shows that you'll love, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Daryl Banner